Ah, I like this question. Ready? What is the question you're always hoping you'll be asked, but never have been? What is your answer? Chamber says, I am forever waiting for somebody to ask me, would you like to meet this giant Pacific octopus? And my answer is yes. Yes, I would. Um, can I meet a giant octopus? <laughs> right? Can we all meet the octopus? Hey guys, here's what's coming up. On November 13th, we'll be talking spoiler-free about the books we'd pay to read again for the first time. Tune in to find out if you agree with our picks. If you love our show and want to support us, you can check out patreon.com slash thebooklifepodcast for a huge list of perks. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, the Pirate Queen and Leah. Mirror problems always be fictional. Now, on with the show. Welcome back to Book Life Podcast with your hosts, myself, Mo, my best friend, Abby. So sorry, guys. It has taken us a while to get back into the groove. We have just been, I don't know, someone had a baby. I have had class. The kids started school. I mean, just all sorts of crazy stuff has been going on. Let's mention like the three straight weeks where my entire household was sick. Oh, yeah, that sucked, too. Oh, that was terrible. That was most of September for me. I was just sick. <laughs> oh, and um, let's see, you had allergy attacks. Let's see. Uh, I don't remember August or September. But it was fine. Those months don't really matter. Remember in October, the best time of the year. The windows <laughs> are open. The high is 64. The sun is shining and everything is perfect. So this is a great time to talk about this. A cozy sci-fi novel called A Psalm for the Wild Build by Becky Chambers. So this is a novella. Very short. Um, I listened to it. It was four and a half hours long. Abby, did you listen or did you read it? Um. I ended up listening to it because I'm going to say right now, guys, this book was not for me. I did not enjoy my time reading it. The only reason I finished was because it's so short. I tried reading the physical book because I owned the physical book and I just could not make myself continue. So I got, I listened to the audiobook just to give myself something to do because sitting there reading it was not working for me at all. So I listened to it while I did other things and just like pushed through. Uh, Which I find interesting because I listened to it and I adored it. I adored it enough that Abby was like, do you want my physical copies? I'm like, yes, I love this book. Wait, no. Lie. That's a lie. I read them first as physical copies. Or did I? Did you give me your physical copies or I buy them myself? I still own my physical copies. I'm pretty sure you told me you already had some. Okay. All right. So apparently I just don't know anything about my life right now. Um, So I totally read them as books. I read the first one and the second one. I liked them enough that I went out and bought the audiobooks and have already listened to them again. So I don't. Yeah. So, so when I re-listen to books that I really like, I don't like. They're not fully engaged re-listens. It's more like. I'm falling asleep re-listening. I just want something to listen to that's familiar and comforting to re-listen. It's not like Mo is intently focused on this book and she is going like a ninja and she is going to be totally like this. No. So I liked it enough. I've, I've definitely had two read-throughs through it. 
Nice. Oh, we're going to have a really interesting conversation, guys. Someone that loved it and someone that's like, mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. nope, nope. Mm-hmm. So, Abby, I love some fun facts. Would you enjoy reading off some of them? I would love to. All right. Chamber's inspiration for this story. Lifelong love of robots. An itch to write solar punk. Oh, wait. What is solar punk? That's a new one. Solar punk? Okay, so there's multiple different genres of punk fiction. Um, Solar punk is like the futuristic good version. So like cyberpunk is like gritty fiction, kind of darker, um, usually set in cities sort of thing. Solar punk, to my understanding, is more just like lighter, more environmentally friendly kind of thing, less dystopian feeling. I'm going to look up the actual definition because now I really need to know the actual definition. I appreciate that now. I made your like, actually, I need to know more about this. Please hold. But yeah, I thought it was very interesting because like for me, when I read this book, I read it as a science fiction. I kind of read it as a cyberpunk. I didn't realize that solar punk was a thing. All right. According to Wikipedia, solar punk is a literary and artistic movement that envisions and works toward actualizing a sustainable future interconnected with nature and community. So, like I said, it's it's sci-fi that instead of being dark and dystopian like cyberpunk is lighter and environmentally friendly and like happier (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i like that i'm all for the happy you know that of course um what else inspired her to write this story uh okay is it i always pronounce it ghibli ghibli is fine okay uh studio ghibli movies yes studio ghibli movies should just like inspire all authors to write things honestly well, let's be honest, one of the best comfort sci-fi fantasy movies I've read is House Moving Castle, mm-hmm. and that turned itself into a Studio Ghibli movie. So good. Have mm-hmm. you heard the theory that the book Howl's Moving Castle is um, Sophie's version of it, and the movie is Howl's version of it? Yes, I have. I'm okay with that. I like that a lot. It cracks me up every time I think about it because it's so true. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, she was also inspired by soft spots for tea, farms, cob houses. What's a cob house? Um, It's kind of like a... Oh, God, how do you describe it? Like a low... A cob house is like a low-bearing house, one story, usually made out of sustainable materials, um, kind of fits in with nature. Think think a lot like um, uh, Native American housing a lot of the times. Like they always, they're like known for energy efficiency, durability, and unique aesthetic. They're very cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see those. Okay. Um, but yeah, the original ones, like I think of Adobe's down in the um, the Southwest. I think of um, wigwams up in the um, Pacific North um, West kind of thing. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so she has soft spots for tea, farms, cob houses, bugs, green roofs, and overgrown buildings. And she also was inspired by a desire to write a comfort book for adults. Doesn't that just fill you up with warm and cozy feelings? It does. I mean, aesthetically, I love all those things. Aesthetically, I should have loved this book. You don't have to love every single thing you read, and that's okay. That's the beauty. I want to. I know you want to. <laughs> Honestly, I thought the second book was better. Um, so something I find interesting. So Chambers was has a soft spot for tea, right? And we meet a tea monk. And a lot of the inspiration of the tea comes from Chambers, who does not drink caffeine at all. But she drinks a lot of herbal-based teas. And if you remember a lot of the tea blends that they talk about in the book, were just like, I just wanted every single thing in there. Yep. That's why all the teas were complex and they all had a certain meaning and reason why they were the way they were. They all sounded delicious. I know. Um, but chamber staple tea is peppermint tea, which I love me some peppermint tea. I feel that. Mm -hmm. uh, she also loves Rubio's and some days only ginger will do, which I mean, I have a ginger and lemon um, tea that I love to drink when I feel <laughs> when I don't feel good, I bust out the lemon ginger tea and everything gets better again. Um, but she always says a chicory tea with milk before bed to get ready for bed. And I was just like, oh, it's just so wholesome and lovely, you know? Mm -hmm. So I also found something else super interesting about Becky Chambers. The book that inspired her to become a sci-fi writer is The Left Hand Darkness by Ursula K. L. Groen? Green? Gowan? Um, oh no, Gwyn. Gwyn, sure, I'll take any. I am not good at pronouncing names and guessing. I don't. Um, I don't know. But, G U I N. But what I love Howard. that book is behind me, so I think I feel like I now need to read it. I haven't read it yet. I did read um, her book, The Wizard of the Earthsea. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. I tried very hard about a month ago to read Wizard of Earthsea. Mm-hmm. Man, it was not happening in any form. It, I don't do well with older books in general. So like her book, I, I didn't drive with that one. I didn't drive with um, Octavia um, Butler's book. It, mm. I don't know. I'm definitely, I can do J.R.R. Tolkien. I can do C.S. Lewis. But I don't do a lot of other older sci-fi authors at all. At all. Yeah, no, Tolkien and Lewis are really the only two older authors other than, like, Mercedes Lackey, but she did fantasy. I don't count her as older, because really, yeah. her book started being published in 1988, and for oh, me... Oh, yeah, that's not older than, never mind, sorry. No, for me, any books that were published in the 80s and 90s, I'm pretty much good for. Yeah. Yeah, just the language in Wizard of Earthsea was... It wasn't terrible it's definitely not like the worst of the older books that i've tried to read but mm, mm -hmm. and it was meant for a younger happening. audience too it's a young adult novel yeah yeah well i tried listening to the audiobook because like i couldn't reading it physically was not working at all yeah <laughs> and i got a little ways into it and then i was just like i'm not gonna finish this <laughs> um so that is really cool that she was inspired by an author like that. It's just really cool how, you know, when we look back about who our influencers are in our young childhood and how you can just like point to them like that person there really inspired me. And I love that so much. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and it's my understanding that Ursula, however you say her last name, is one of the OGs yep. for women in sci-fi. Yep. Because, like, I've heard her name all over the place. I just haven't really read her books because they're not something that I'm going to read. <laughs> yeah. And that's totally okay. But I know that she's an OG. I know that she's, mm-hmm. you know, a big name in it. Yeah. So... Shall we bring it back to a song for the Wild Belt? We should. Uh, you want to throw out that summer? You want me to t- throw it down? I will gladly do it. Okay. Centuries before, robots of Panja gained self-awareness, laid down their tools, wandered en masse into the wilderness, never to be seen again. They faded into myth and urban legend. Now, the life of the tea monk who tells this story is upended by the arrival of a robot, there to honor the old promise of checking in. The robot cannot go back until the question of what do people need is answered, but the answer to that question depends on who you ask and how. They will need to ask it a lot. (laughs) That's right. So there are two main characters in this book. No one else really matters. They're sibling Dex. Um, They spent their time originally as a garden monk in their youth. Um, And then they had a sudden crisis of faith, essentially, and decided to switch their vocation to become a tea monk um, who travels from place to place and offers relief to the weary with one cup at a time of tea, which I loved. Just really soothing and relaxing. And then we meet Splendid Speckled Muscap, a robot who is made from parts seeded from the original sentient um, robots. And hence, Muscap is a wild-built robot. Also, something that's very cool about Mosscast's name is that when these robots gain sentience, they basically, the first thing that they see, that becomes their name. So Mosscast saw a splendid speckle Mosscap, and thus Mosscap became Mosscap. So that's pretty much it for the characters. Um, just some general fun facts, too, that I found about this book, and about this book in general, not about the author, is that this book, every chapter is pretty much just made of episodic conversations um, between Dex and whoever they're around, which follows this driving urge of Dex's for movement and change. And it's all trickled down to their desire to hear the fable sound of crickets who don't exist in the cities, which is how Dex also had the inspiration to become a tea monk because tea monks travel around the entire um, Panja um, continent. And so Dex's life goal turned into, I want to hear a cricket chirp. And I was like, all right, good for you. And then the second thing, um, this book really was written because Chambers wanted to express um, the wilderness of comfort. It's basically an elegy for the people that we might have been so, you know, kind of like if we had taken the pathless travel, as Robert Frost would say, who we could have been, and also a hopeful look for the future using modern anxieties as a way to create a remarkable intimacy between the reader and sibling Dex, which I did not have any intimacy um, with sibling Dex. Nope. Honestly, my intimacy went to a robot. So, <laughs> I mean, I I did have some, just not to who the author attended i feel like part of the problem is that we tend to gravitate towards the robots in any sci-fi book over the yeah. 
So that might be a failing on our part, not the author's part. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is probably a very long opening, honestly. Um, but we're going to jump and take a break. And honestly, this next part will be spoilers. And it's probably going to be short. But it is what it is. We'll see you guys in a second. Talk to you in a minute, guys. Hi, I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. And I'm Lauren. We are the hosts of Badass Literature Society, a book review podcast where we take book recommendations from listeners like you, read them, and then discuss them on our show. Join us once a month as we dive into the books you picked and talk about them. And don't miss our bonus episodes covering all sorts of random bookish topics that come out in between reviews. Don't worry, if you want to read one of the books, the first part of each episode is designated spoiler-free, so you can listen and see if you'd like to read it, and then come back and listen to the rest later. You can find Badass Literature Society on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, and anywhere else you like to listen. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, guys. And remember, this half is spoilers, so if you have not read A Psalm for the Wild Builds and you would like it to not be spoiled, you should stop right here and go read it if you want to. I don't know. I didn't really enjoy it, so... Well, Abby, uh, <laughs> would you like to tell us about your fave and least favorite characters? Okay, so there's like there's only two real characters. So this usual section of our podcast is like, there's two characters. Did you like them or not? Well, I wasn't a fan of the monk, and I kind of liked the robot. <laughs> um, Dex frustrated the crap out of me. Why? Like, the further into this book that I got, the more frustrated and annoyed I got. And by the end of it, I was just like, go jump off a cliff. I don't even care about you anymore. Like, I legitimately did not give two craps about them. And it... I understand that completely, because I did not have any draw to Dex. And I really honestly like Dex better in the second book. Like... It was a bit of a slog until Moss Cap showed up. I was like, I need a robot. Mm-hmm. Hurry up, robot. This whole book's about you. Where are you? Well, I'm not going to lie. When Moss Cap showed up, I got even more annoyed with Dex because I was like, why are you treating the robot this way? Oh, I know. I was so mad. <laughs> like- Dex is very self-absorbed, self-centered, very focused on them. They're not focused on... They're focused on their mission to find the cricket. They're they're so self-centered. I hated it. I like, know. Didn't and what killed me is you had this super self-centered character who was still like supposed to be doing all this servicing of other people. Mm-hmm. Like that does not that doesn't go with your character. And it made his service or their service to people mm, very disingenuous yeah like why are you bothering to serve other people when you are this self-centered mm-hmm. does not give two craps about anybody else i know and that just kills me because being a team monk you're literally supposed to be listening to people's problems and helping them if you can and dex is just doesn't doesn't take it seriously oh yeah especially at first like it made mm, that first customer he had made me so angry i know 
oh my God, I was so angry. I wanted to reach into the pages and punch him. Like, how dare you not just like absolutely refuse training, say, oh no, I got this. You're that self-centered. Yep. And then you are going to go and act like you know everything and completely F up this woman's day even worse than it already was. Mm-hmm. I was so mad. So that's probably one of your least favorite scenes, I assume. Oh <laughs> I hated that so much. I know. Um, Dex is young. And so I, I did take that with a grain of salt. Dex is probably like 18 or 19. So... That doesn't make me want to punch them any oh, less. No, I know. But <laughs> like with that caveat, and that's why I'm like, okay, you're a little self-centered. Um, kind of understood somewhat of how they're feeling. But I had a lot of trouble getting into their head. However, loved Moss Cap. I loved every interaction they had, even with Dex and them experiencing getting to know one another. Because Moss Cap is so patient. It's so genuine. And that robot has so much curiosity. Like... There was a spider living inside his their body, and Mousecap was like, "Yeah, that's my friend. Don't worry about him." Dex is like, "There's a spider in your body. Seriously, <laughs> yeah, don't mess with the spider." But- the other thing that killed me is that Dex, when <clears throat> when Dex went out into the wilderness, it became very obvious that Dex is a city kid. <laughs> oh yeah. And that also drove me nuts because I just, I don't have patience for that crap. (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of rooting for him to go out into the wilderness or for them to be, go out into the wilderness thinking they knew everything and just like end up walking off a cliff or something because I was done. I mean, yeah. Just like, oh, it was the self-centeredness again. I know that's what it was. That whole, Mm -hmm. I am invincible, I know everything, all that BS. Was Dex really 18 or 19? It felt like Dex was supposed to be mid-20s. Oh, really? I got the vibe that Dex was younger, because of maturity level. And I I also feel like Chambers wrote Dex and Moscap as opposites, as Mm -hmm. a dichotomy for the book. You know what I mean? It's great and everything, but that doesn't make Dex a great character. (laughs) Oh, no, I know. I am agreeing with you. I'm just saying. I don't know, just like, because Dex had been with the monks for so long, I assumed Dex was like mid-twenties. And that's part of why the maturity level drove me so mental. Mm -hmm. Because if I had known that Dex was like a late teenager, I would have gone in with different expectations for the maturity level. Yeah. But like... Because Dex spends a couple of years going around to the communities, right? Maybe. I think so. I think so, yeah. So, like, then even by then, if Dex was 18, mm-hmm. Dex would be, like, 20 by the time they met Mosscap. Yeah. Where is the maturity level? I don't know. I don't know. It's so frustrating. How can you go around listening to other people's problems <laughs> for multiple years of your life and then meet the robot? And treat like that. And still not be a great human? Mm. I don't know. So, <laughs> what are some of your favorite scenes? <laughs> By chance. Oh, man. Okay. Obviously, mm-hmm. I loved meeting Mosscap. Yeah. Mosscap was where the book got halfway decent. Mosscap is the reason mm-hmm. I gave this book as many stars as I gave it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by your star rate. I'm like, really? 
Okay, so I gave this book three stars, and the reason I did that was because for me, a three-star rating is I didn't really enjoy this, but other people might. Mm-hmm. And, like, ratings below that are, I really hated this book, why did I finish it kind of thing. Yeah, and ones is just enough, right? <laughs> ones is like, I shouldn't have read this book at all. I'm dumb. <laughs> How dare I? How dare I, I do this to myself? Right. Um. So that's why I ended up giving this three stars, was because I did really like Mosscap, but I just... Mm, it's it this is a book that you that I did not enjoy, but other people might. So I gave it three stars to be fair. I am other people. I am other people. You are. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean I loved meeting Mosscap. I loved learning about the robot society. Yep. And like how they got their names was the first thing they saw when they came online. I was like, that is so freaking cool. I love that. I know. It gives them ridiculous names, but I love it. <laughs> yes. Because that's exactly the kind of thing. That is a naming convention that I can get behind. Mm-hmm. It just like, I, I loved that. I loved, I wanted to hear more from I'm sure he wrote a story like that at some point. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to hear more from Mosscap. Honestly, if this book had followed yeah. Mosscap instead of Dex, I probably would have been way more into it. Because yeah. if you had started with Mosscap and shown me Robot Society and shown him the shown Mosscap being sent into the human world to go talk to the humans, I would have been way more behind that. Mm-hmm. Genuinely. I, get that. I would have loved that. Mosscap was a better character. Oh, Mosscap was a much better character. The only thing I really liked about Dex's storyline was watching their journey like to the different towns and stuff yeah and hearing about that that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. and that was really the only part of Dex's story that I liked (laughs) that cartoon just like I like the aesthetic of being a tea monk and going around to different places and listening to people's problems and talking to them and giving them mm-hmm. tea. Like, I love everything about that aesthetic. I love the idea. But you don't love Dex. I like Dex. I know. I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm just ranting about how much I didn't like Dex. <laughs> so what I like, we're going to stop you right now, is I loved watch Dex growing with confidence as a team monk um there was a big scene where once they rolled in town they sent out their message and everybody just came and it was magical and wonderful after the first disastrous one that we learned about we're like oh god like you are not meant for this um i also loved how Mosscap scared dex while dex was showering i mean and that's the first time they meet i would also be terrified if a robot was like how are you doing oh my god i'm naked go away please thank you and one of the most endearing things was just learning how whenever Dex cooks a meal, they were feeling very awkward and weird. And they figured out what it was that they needed to share their food, even though Moss Cap can't eat because they're a robot. And basically, mm. like, you know, Moss Cap, like, you want me to offer this to you? And Dex is like, yes, please, I want to eat that. But I needed to offer it to you so I didn't feel so weird. And I was like, oh, that's cute and endearing. Um, 
I also I love their six god mythology and how it created the story around it. And there's like theories about robots and how they all came to be with their sentience. It just has some really good world building to it that was like, ooh, how nice. Mm-hmm. Becky Chambers is a good world builder. Yes. I really liked this world. I liked the setup and the aesthetic and just like everything about the world was great. Oh, yeah. It was just the character she picked. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. All right. Well, she's a good world builder. I like her world building. So as you heard, Abby gave it three stars. This book is not for her. I gave it five stars and even owned two different formats of the book. Would love to hear from other people who have read this book or if you read another Becky Chambers book like um, A Long Way to an Angry Planet, which I believe we've talked about. Mm-hmm. And we talked about a close in common orbit. Is that right? Yeah, closed in common orbit. Mm-hmm. Also good books, too. So and that is what we have for today, everyone. And we will talk to you all later. Talk to you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use, or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks, like access to our mini-series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.